Hey, what's up? It's episode 85, Pain Points of Wealth. And some days the market goes up, some days the market goes down, some days interest rates go up, some days they go down. So what's going on right now? Which way is the market, the wind blowing? We're going to talk about what we think is going to happen with the market, the economy. Are we going to go into this recession that more and more economists are talking about? And is inflation done with? Are we going to see peak inflation now or is it going to keep going up the rest of the year? We're going to tell you what we think through the summer, rest of the year, how to position your portfolio and what we see in the economy ahead. Also, on the tipping point today, we're gonna to talk about your emotions. How do you handle uncertainty, volatility? We're gonna talk about the right way and the wrong way to handle volatility. Keep your emotions in check, check it out. We got a fantastic episode. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. Hey guys, I'm a little confused. Is the economy actually bad? Or is everyone just kind of feel like Elon Musk, who's telling us he has a super bad feeling about the economy, and actually started laying people off. I mean, does everyone just feel like it's bad? Well, isn't it? It's always about, you know, I just have this feeling, Bob. It's my gut. The, the market's going to go down over the next couple of months, right? Like nothing's worse than using your gut feeling when it comes to things like the economy, things like the market. Well, I mean, it just seems like the sense of dread. It's like so pervasive right now. I think it'll surprise a lot of people to find out that the economy is generally in really good shape, right? We have a low unemployment number. We have a labor market that's been very strong record level job openings. If you have a job you don't like right now, you can find another one, right? And if you look at the balance sheets on households and corporations, they're as good as they've ever been. Well, one of my clients that is a uh, physical therapist here in the Philadelphia area, and she was telling me yesterday that she spent 30 days trying to find a person to operate her front desk. She said it's just been impossible to get good people in. And next thing she knows, the person quits. So I think our clients and employers out there are spending more time trying to find good people than actually operating their businesses. Well, it's a good point because I'm down here in Miami because, you know, Chris traveled a lot. So I'm taking, I'm following suit this year. You know, I figure if Chris can be on vacation all the time, I might as well go out and check out the world too. Ryan, are you trying to tell me that you're not always on vacation because I doubt you're working? <laughs> this isn't a hotel room, I swear. But no, here, look, I'm here in Miami right now. It's a business conference and talking to a lot of business owners and everyone's saying the same thing. We got plenty of demand. The problem is we can't service the demand because we can't find enough people. And I think that's really the bane of the existence of the economy now. It's not that the economy is not running hot. It's definitely running hot. It's just this labor shortage is a huge problem. And it's something that's probably not going away very quickly. Now, you know, I just had a friend of mine come back from Ireland. Rai, you were just over in France. And you're seeing the exact same thing. I mean, there are pubs that are only open five or six days a week because they can't find employees. They can't do all the tours they want to do. You have the same thing in restaurants all over the world. I mean, I don't get it. Why don't people want to work? Well, I think part of it's not they don't want to work. I think that's you know, probably the wrong narrative. I mean, a lot of baby boomers are retiring. Not you, Bob, of course. You're going to keep working. We really do have an aging labor force here in the US, and you're finding a lot of people during the pandemic decided like, well, maybe it's time to retire. So that labor participation you know, just hasn't been that great. But meantime, there's plenty of opportunity. There's literally for every two jobs, there's one person looking. We've never seen this before ever. So it's probably the hottest labor market we've ever seen of all time. And the problem is it's not going to get fixed overnight because even if you get everybody who wants a job back to work, there's still too many jobs. Well, here's the thing, guys. I mean, we came out of a COVID pandemic. We had a recession. Everybody's saying, 
oh, I'm really fearful about a recession. We just had one, right? It was two years ago. It was self-induced by the governments around the world, but we came out very, very rapidly. We came out too hot, right? We have a hot economy and the Fed's doing their job. They're trying to cool things down. You know, they're not trying to kill this economy. They're just trying to cool it down. So it's not like 2008, 2009, where a lot of the consumers and companies were leveraged, right? The economy was broken. We have an economy that needs to slow down a little bit. And I really think that's what the equity market is kind of struggling with right now. They're trying to figure out, are we going to have a soft landing? Are we going to just have a growth recession? Are we just going to have a sharp reduction in growth? Are we actually going to go into recession? So it's kind of trying to price that in. But I think the Fed's really happy with the way things are getting priced in. Speculative assets are getting hammered. Solid quality assets are actually up. So, Dada, you're trying to tell me that we're not going to put all of our money in Bitcoin? Well, Bobcoin, Chris, come on. Support the family business, will you? <laughs> in Bob's hair, we trust. Yeah, I had a client the other day tell me that her brother's like uh, loaded the boat in Bitcoin. And uh, he keeps glowing about it, bragging about it. I said, well, how can you brag about something that was at 65000 and now at 29000 I don't care if you bought it at a dollar. You lose half your money in six months, that hurts. Yeah, but he did it like a pro. He took it like a crypto man. Well, and that's the problem right now, right? It's not the whole market is selling off, right? We have a very specific area of the market, technology-related stocks. Crypto would be in that disruptive technology type of space. All of those type of assets are selling off dramatically here. But if you look at the overall market, it's barely down for the year. If you take tech, communication services, consumer discretionary, which is another one that's been just a hot sector that just got hit hard this year, the rest of the sectors in the S&P 500, you're only down like 3% as we're recording this, meaning like you're barely seeing prices on a lot of parts of the market moving right now. This is why it's so critical to be diversified right now, because not every market reacts the same way. And right now we have high inflation, we have rising interest rates, and we have the Fed draining liquidity from the economy. That's a much different dynamic than we had the last 10 years. So again, hence, you've got to have a portfolio that's reflective of the fact that things have changed dramatically. Well, I think you made a good point, Ryan, in your notes this week. You talked about growth stocks and the S&P 500 are down 25%, but the equal weight S&P 500, that means where you don't have capitalization weighted, you don't have the tech stocks, which led the way for the last 13 years, you just take every other component, it's only down about 8%. So you're having a portfolio of, if you're diversified, you're down maybe 6 7% this year. And part of that portfolio are high quality bonds that come due, you know, 2018 was worse. 2020 was worse. Why is it everybody telling me I'm wrong? Things are really bad right now. Because the news, everybody buys into the news. I have a great fund. It's called the news short, and we should short everything that the news says. So Chris, you're telling me that the news keeps talking about inflation, talking about COVID still around, the war in Ukraine, mass shootings, political dysfunction. You know, they're telling me everything is awful. Every night there's a drumbeat of how bad things are. You think that actually impacts people's thinking? Well, let's just put it this way, Dad. I'm a pretty happy guy. And when I want to get really depressed, I just turn the news on. Well, I've been watching a lot of ESPN and Netflix lately, guys. That's why you seem so happy, Bob. I am happy, right? I'm very happy. That's good. And, you know, the other thing to think about, too, is just to add your happiness, Bob, is, you know, your big risk here is we talk about this all the time is what about a positive catalyst, right? Everyone's talking about all the negativity. We can list list upon list of what's negative right now. But, you know, look at China, right? The restrictions are starting to go away. Look at inflation, right? There's a good chance inflation is going to come down this year. So you get one positive catalyst. We talked about this last week. Man, oh man, you know, this market could ramp up in a hurry and you don't want to be on the sidelines earning nothing in cash, just trying to play catch up later. Like that's not the position you want to be in, right? I mean, you want to be prepared for the unexpected and the unexpected being positive here, not negative, because a lot of this negative news is already priced in the market because we're talking about it. 
I couldn't agree with you more, Rye, but we got to complete the list, right? Because we have the most informed viewers in the country who have been watching this podcast, have benefited from listening to this podcast, or making money because of this podcast. You know, we have a big headwind with inflation and the uncertainty right now. But there's a lot of tailwinds just waiting to get unleashed, right? What if we get a whiff of inflation peaking? Or better yet, that hawkishness of the Federal Reserve has peaked, right? If we get any whiff of that, the market's going to explode to the upside. People start worrying about earnings deteriorating, right? We have record earnings coming into this year, but they're, you know, they're going to be down a little bit. You know, profit margin are going to be down a little bit. They're not going to be down a lot. So we start to get those concerns start to abate. China's reopening. Why don't they reopen fully the economy? Right? What if consumer demand has a big impact you know, on these elevated prices? And then if we get any stability in Europe, you know, in Ukraine, any one of those catalysts can put this market on fire. You can't afford to be sitting on your hands waiting for the bell to ring, waiting for us to wave a flag. It's all clear. Bob, Chris, and I now have a collective 75 years. That's right, 75 years helping individuals just like you with your planning and investing. This is literally what we do. Every single day, everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially, literally at any stage of your journey. But if you have over a million dollars and you want a more hands-on approach, you want to make sure that you're on track for your plan of financial independence, you can apply. Go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review where we'll do a deep dive of everything. We'll go through every investment you own. We'll show you all those hidden costs on your portfolio that Wall Street loves to sell you. We're going to show you how to optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make. It's what you take. We're going to show you all the tools that we use to make sure that you're paying the least amount of tax by law. And we're going to look at diversification. You know, what underlying risks do you have in your portfolio? How do you optimize your portfolio to grow it, but to protect your wealth over the rest of your life? And we're going to put together a full savings and income plan. If you have over a million dollars saved for retirement or your financial independence plan, simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. All right, it's the tipping point. This is where we pinpoint the pain point. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And Bob and Chris, let's face it, you know, we're in a period of, I would call, extreme turbulence. And what we have found at our firm, Pain Capital Management, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-A, when volatility is high and the future unclear, we all cope with uncertainty in different ways. So let me discuss some of the different emotions or mindsets that we've seen on display over the last couple months and how you know, it really is helping you or in some cases hurting your financial independence plan and making sure that you do have that right mindset when it comes to dealing with the uncertainty and volatility that we're seeing today. Well, I'll go with the first one, and that's fear and panic. And I got to tell you guys, we've been getting a lot of this lately from our clients. We've got clients calling up to say, hey, you know, I don't like the way the market's going. Why don't we pull out now, wait it out, and get back in when it starts to go back up? And the biggest problem that causes is that you got to be right twice. You got to know when to get out, and you got to know when to get back in. And invariably, what that causes is poor performance. Sounds like a great idea, but the reality is, is that you really can never time it. And the problem is, is that fear is what's driving your decisions actually causes your portfolio to be worse. Well, what makes it worse is you take temporary losses, you make them permanent because the fear is what drives the panic. And when you panic out of a market, and I've seen people do it, I've seen a lot of investors do it in my 47 years, but you know, it's really hard to panic back in, to even get back in. And generally, when things are really bad, you're still sitting on the sidelines. When the news gets worse is when the market starts to recover. And then you keep thinking, well, I'm right about things being bad. I'll just wait till it comes back down. Some people are still in cash from 2008. 
Yeah, no, we've seen that happen. And it's, you know, and then you miss a whole decade worth of returns. But I think the feeling is I have to do something, right? Like for some reason, it's like if I'm active right now and I make a move, like that's better than just sitting there. And ironically, a lot of times it's the discipline not to make a move and not get sucked into the emotion that really is the difference between having really great returns over time and poor returns over time. And that's why we always talk about investing being more of a discipline than anything else. It's like keeping those emotions in check when the world around you is just going like when there's pure chaos. What are you talking about, right? I make all my best decisions when I freak out about stuff. There's never any regret when you're panicked and freaked out and you make a decision ever. Right. Exactly. You guys remember that Seinfeld episode where George decided to do the opposite of every decision he made because he's always wrong. So he did the opposite of every decision he thought was right and he did well. And I think that's kind of way you have to handle your portfolio because your emotions betray you. And the opportunity is always greatest when you feel like you got to throw up before you pick up the phone and call us to tell us that, you know, you want to make an investment. So if your stomach hurts when you're putting money to work, you're generally getting a really good, good buy. It's when you think you're going to feel better getting on the sidelines. You know, the hangover the next day is awful. You just feel terrible and you don't know what to do. That's why you got to have a plan. You got to have a discipline. You got to have a strategy. So stop drinking, start investing. Or do both. No, joking. The other one that really, this is my biggest pet peeve is opportunism. I always hear like, well, I'm going to sit on the sidelines and wait for the market to collapse. And, you know, first off, to be able to predict that is like, good luck. And I have a friend like this who actually did sell the market right when the pandemic started and started going down. And he kept telling me, well, I want to keep it on the sidelines. I'm going to wait for that opportune time to get back in. Well, guess what? He still hasn't got it back in. <laughs> so... But that's what happens, right? You think you're going to have this magical moment where you have this money in cash, you're going to see that perfect line and you're going to get your money to work. And as we know, when things are dire, like we were just talking about, it's the hardest time to put money to work. And that darkest hour right before the dawn, you're probably going to miss it, still sit in cash, and then the market's going to go up and up and up. And you're going to be like, man, when I get that money in, when I get it in? And then meanwhile, bam, you just missed two years of great returns. It's kind of like this past weekend, I was uh, at a regatta and one of the other boats that we're competing against, uh, the sailor actually fell off the boat. And the problem is when he fell off the boat, the boat just kept on sailing. So, you know, I guess the old adage is you don't want to miss the boat here. You got to stay on the boat. You got to stay invested to make money. It's really tough to get to your goal, Chris, if you're not on the boat. That's true. Can't win the race. The other emotion too, and I think a lot of people are feeling this right now, is that despondency or we'll call it numbness, where maybe you put a lot of money into tech. You didn't listen to our podcast. Maybe you put your money into disruptive technology or into Bitcoin, and now all of a sudden you're down huge, right? And tech has taken a huge hit this year. And the mindset I'm seeing right now is, well, I'll just sit on this, you know, wait for it to come back. It's not time to make a move. That can be wrong because we don't know if tech's going to rebound quickly. could take years. Like we talked about when the tech bubble burst, it took 15 years for the NASDAQ to break even. You don't want to be numb when the markets are down. You want to be proactive, maybe rebalance your portfolio, restructure it. So like when the tide goes up again or the market goes up again, you're better positioned. The worst thing you want to do is just sit on those losers or those dogs in your portfolio and not evaluate them and make a decision here, like maybe it's time to spread the risk out or re-diversify. Well, what it does is it causes a lot of stress. And when you're stressed, you know, you, you feel like you can't take any action, but that's actually the best cure for stress is to take action. And so if you're sitting there and you're not positioned properly, you feel despondent because, you know, you didn't take our advice when you knew it was the right thing to do, you know, it's time to take action. The best step you can do is put one foot forward and get moving towards your goals. Reminds me of the old Bobism. It's okay to be wrong. It's not okay to stay wrong. I think that the smartest move is to accept your failure and then look ahead and look to reposition correctly. And I think a lot of investors right now, and a lot of you right now probably aren't doing that. You're still sitting with that portfolio, hoping it's going to come back, and it ain't.
Well, here's the emotion that everybody gets at some point. I even had this happen to me. You get angry, right? Back in the uh, 80s, I, you know, I lost a lot of money in oil stocks. So I got even with the oil industry. I didn't buy any more oil stocks for 10 years, even though they went straight up. And I, you know, I could have made a lot of money. I didn't make any money because I got angry at the market. You, know, you can't get angry at the market and you can't fall in love with the market because you know what you always say, right? It's not going to love you back. Yeah. At some moment, it's going to be a bad lover. Trust me. I know. The best cure for that anger is to buy more of the thing that you just hate. Unless it keeps going down, but that's another story altogether. The other emotion we see a lot of too is this blissful ignorance, right? And this is a lot of times you may have an advisor that you've been with for many, many years. They might not give you the best advice, but you're just hoping for the best. You're hoping you're getting good advice. No one's talking to you about your portfolio, what you should be doing proactively, but you just hope, you just hope and pray that that person has your best interest in line. If they're not talking to you, updating your financial projections every year, looking over things proactively, that's not something to be ignorant about. That means that you have someone who's probably asleep at the wheel and you've got to make some adjustments. Well, it's a lot like your health. You know, you want to be your own advocate when it comes to your health. You want to go to your annual physical checkup. You want to do the same thing with your finances. You want to meet with your financial advisor regularly and you want to hear from them. You know, I don't think it's just blissful ignorance. I think sometimes it's just investors have inertia. They just can't make a move. I don't know if they're paralyzed or they're just, you know, hey, look, I know this is bad, but it could be worse, right? The last time I made a move, I jumped from the pot into the fire. They don't want to do that. Chris, you were talking to a client of ours the other day and said, Chris, what do you do with clients and customers? Because I make these great proposals. It's better for them. It's cheaper. It's a better deal. And they don't do anything. They don't take up my offer. They stick with the crappy product that they have. You see the same thing. Well, sometimes it's the devil you know versus the devil you don't know. But you got to pay attention to that stuff. Look, guys, I think to sum it up here is bottom line is, look, we know right now is a volatile time. We know there's a lot of uncertainty, but these are the times that you've got to take the bull by the horns. You've got to be proactive, make sure that you have a strategy that's working. You got to make sure that you have someone who's watching out for your investments. Make sure you have that financial independence plan in place. You can't stick your head in the sand because if you do the right things now and you're proactive, yourself five years later is going to slap you on the back and say, thank you. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 85, Pain Points of Wealth. Hard to believe our 85th episode, over 80,000 downloads. Thank you for the support. Please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. If you like our content, leave us a comment. Let us know what you want us to speak about. If this is on Spotify, you can subscribe on YouTube. Click that like button. You can click that subscribe button and that notification bell to be updated every single week of all our new episodes of Pain Points of Wealth. Thank you for the support. Give us some more support. Give us the likes. Give us a subscribe. Five-star rating. We appreciate you. All right, it's the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. All right, Bob, ironically, momentum stocks, which by definition should be the best performers, have been getting hit with the iShares Edge MSCI USA Momentum Factor Exchange Traded Fund declining 20% in 2022. The trend is not your friend, Bob. Hey, Ryan, I've been making fun of that momentum ETF for about five years now. I mean, think about it. They chase what's up the most. They pay the highest price. And then when it slows down and it no longer is a market leader, they buy high, then they sell low, and then they buy something else that's high. And when you have a volatile market, I mean, it'll make your head spin. But it's just another example of how active management by ordinary, normal human beings called portfolio managers don't work. I mean, they make a great strategy. They have a great pitch. But at the end of the day, they're ordinary people claiming they can do extraordinary things. And if you want to lose money, put some money in your momentum ETF. The worst part is they don't listen to our podcast. <laughs> and they're happy to charge you a higher fee. Gotta love Wall Street. All right, Chris, in the third quarter of 2021, the 191 million JP Morgan Small Cap Sustainable Leaders Fund, which launched in 1996 
as the JP Morgan Small Cap Core Fund became all of a sudden overnight an ESG or environmentally friendly fund in one year when it lost $184 million in assets. I love that. Let's just rebrand the fund now as environmentally friendly after we lost all these assets and our track record was terrible. Tricky. Well, maybe environmentally friendly, but not portfolio friendly, it sounds like. All right, Bob. 18 months ago, Zoom had a bigger market capitalization than ExxonMobil. Today, Exxon is 10 times bigger than Zoom. Man, the world's changed. Boy, it really does. I mean, just look at the difference in 18 months. Which, once again, just tells you why you have to have a diversified strategy and you can't chase the new, new thing, right? Innovative, disruptive technology. Sounds great. But when you pay 100 times, 200 times earnings, you got to wait 200 years to get the stock to break even. I mean, I'd rather own something like Exxon. And you know what? The best time to buy Exxon, if you guys remember, is when they kicked it out of the Dow because it was no longer a company that mattered. Yeah, it's amazing how the world works. And I mean, I think the theme today is Wall Street loves to sell you a lot of BS. Chris, 30 years ago today, Guns N' Roses, one of my favorite bands from uh, when I was a kid. November Rain video debuts on MTV. The nine-minute epic is the most expensive video ever made to that point, costing $1.5 Man, it feels like this should cost a lot more, even in inflated dollars. Yeah, you know what? That was a pretty cool video. I don't know if it was worth $1.5 million, though. Oh, my God. That's an amazing video. I would have paid... Who knows? A billion dollars of Bob coin to make that video anytime. You know, you're not going to believe this, guys, but I've never seen that video. But I'm just glad it costs us a lot less to make this podcast than it took Guns N' Roses to make a video that I never saw. A lot of people think that we uh, pay Chris at least 250000 an episode, but it's not true. So overhead is not that much for Pain Points of Wealth podcast. We should talk about that inflation. Well, listen, gentlemen, another great show. Hope you enjoyed episode 85, Pain Points of Wealth. Give us a like, five-star ratings on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. Give us a like. Click that notification bell and that subscribe button on YouTube so you can be updated every week of all new podcasts. That's it. Stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to the Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully, you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Music